Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to episode 24 of the legendary, infamous AI comic pod. You are joined this evening by just myself, Rory Greenfield and Stuart Britton. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good. It's, I think it's been, a, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been just me and A couple of weeks. Yeah, I know. Uh, Gotham was got some good reaction to Gotham, you know? So yeah, Gotham, it was... Gotham seemed to go down really well. I think it was the, the first one that we've had where we've actually had genuinely different opinions. Yeah, um, and because Nina's on holiday this week, can we say shit opinion? No, I'm only joking. Everyone's got their own opinions. She hears all and she knows all. I'm only joking. Um, it was quite funny, man. I listened back to a little bit and, yeah, there was some really good... Good humour on there, but we covered some good points, and and Gotham came out in a in a good light, you know. Season three coming up soon, so about as good as it's going to get. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we're here tonight doing something a little bit different for us, still pretty similar, let's be honest. Um, but we're discussing two films uh, of old. Um, it's it's kind of it's not quite guilty pleasures because. Uh, you know, both films are quite highly liked in certain areas, but they're kind of cult films, aren't they? They're not the mainstream Marvel films or DC or um, you kind of typical, you know, when people think of a, a you know a comic book based film, I don't think either of these would would come to mind for a lot of people. So, no, um, but they are both. I mean, a lot of people might not even realise that both of the films we're going to talk about are based on comics themselves and they are both yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of cult status they're the yeah, kind of thing I, I, that if, if you say so. to somebody that you like these people tend to go oh nice yeah they, they they have that cult following about them and even putting out there on, on on twitter it's it's got a similar kind of click with certain people um so my choice uh was scott pilgrim versus the world um 
uh, as anyone know that's probably listened to any of these podcasts, I usually bring it up at least once a podcast. Um, it's just, it's one of those films that uh, relates to me on far too many levels and, and we're going to go on, discuss it in detail. And your choice? Uh, my choice is V for Vendetta. Now, as much as I'd love to be able to say it's one of my favourite films of all time, it really isn't, but I just think it's a bloody good film. And it's a pretty it deserves, faithful, it's a faithful it adaptation of the of the book, and yet it it absolutely deserves a, a little bit of our time. And we, we have asked people about them, and if anyone remembers, we did a poll at a some time ago, months yeah. and months ago, and we did Kickass, V for Vendetta, Scott Pilgrim, and Sin City, and we asked people which ones they wanted, and the results were generally pretty even. I think Sin City was the runaway winner, wasn't it? It, yeah, then, it was, but v, v got a bit of love at the time, and, and a lot of people do like Scott Pilgrim. And, yeah. So the, uh, this, there's this a few others in this kind of type that we've we thought about as well. So Blade, Kickass, um, there's various ones that you, you don't really think come out of comic book graphic novels that that have done over the years, and and we're going to kind of cover. Um, we think it's good to get a couple in, um, get some feedback. Maybe put out a Twitter poll on people's favourite, depending on what they think of this discussion. Yeah. Well, um, so, so that's cool. We, we're going to do a quiz for each other, which we've never done before. We've been quizzed ridiculously once yes. uh, by gags, and it's uh, I'd almost if I had the power to edit that out, I would probably go back and which do is, so. If I remember, we 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 drew, didn't we? And was it a something <laughs> like we got it was, one each? It was. It could have been minus one. It but might yeah, have been it minus was, one. Yeah. It wasn't great. It was pathetic. Um, it was absolutely pathetic. And I've now got some of those answers burned into my brain in case they ever come up again. So just remember, Tony yeah, Stark was so 15 when he took over. 15, exactly. Yeah. And the year, was it 1942? I believe it was 42. Oh, fuck uh, nice. Cap- Something to do with Captain America. But it was, yeah, I think we we got either year wrong, 41 or 43, and it yeah. was 42. Something like that. Yeah, we were so, really bond. Exactly. Um, so, quiz for each other. Do you want to go first or second? I'll give you the uh, gentleman's choice. Seeing as you're host, and I'll let you go first. You can ask okay. first. Ask first. Okay, mate. I will kick off. So, uh, standard format, five questions, and plus a bonus if we get that far. Um, so, who is the author of the V for Vendetta graphic novel? Oh, fucker. Um... Oh, I've got two names in my mind, but I'm not sure which one's the actual author. And uh, Alan Moore. Well done. Oh, thank God for that. I wasn't Drag sure if he was nowhere. the author or like a colorist or an editor yeah. or something. No, he's the author. Um, which which fascist party has risen to risen to power in Great Britain? Oh. I really this should be a lot fresher than it is because I watched it yesterday. All I can think is the the policemen are called the Fingermen. Um, it's the oh I can't Don't be think, googling. I can't think of the name. It, it's something. Oh, it's something. Some nationalist party or something. I don't know. All right, we'll pass. It is the Norse Fire. What? Okay, fuck. I Norse know. Fire is in like. I don't know, is it, it must be Scandinavian kind of thing. Um, anyway, Norse Fire. Um, and what is their slogan? Um, England Prevails. 
I'll give you that because they have two. So they have strength through unity, unity through faith. Uh, pretty tough for me to say. Um, but yeah, their other one is, it's more commonly known. So they, you know, um, that one that I just said is on posters at the beginning of the film behind V with a V kind of signed into it. So, um, cool. Uh, so you've got two out of three and, uh, question four. Uh, what does V leave as a calling card almost every time he kills someone? Uh, he leaves a rose. He does, a scarlet rose. Um, and has anyone ever seen V's face? Yes. The, the the people at the 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 little concentration camp that he was at. Yeah, I'll give you that. It was Dr. Delia Sturridge or Surridge. She's the main researcher that I think he kills. Uh, yeah, the, the, the woman, the one who changes her name to try and escape her past. Exactly. Um, so you got four. That's that's solid, mate. Um, I will give you uh, the bonus, but you can't get the marks for it. But, Fair enough. Um, uh, V's favourite film. What's V's favourite film? Uh, the Count of Monte Cristo. It is indeed. So I thought that was quite... There was a couple in there that I thought might throw you a little bit, but I didn't go too harsh. I feel kind of mean about some of these ones that I've done for you because I was thinking this is like crack to you, but I've written more than five, so I think I'll I'll be I'll go for the cautious ones. Okay, so okay. this is Rory versus Scott Pilgrim versus the World. It's gonna be really hard, man. Are you gonna be cruel on me here? Right. I don't think so. I reckon you'll get these. Okay. Um, okay. Question one: What is the working title of the first song played at the very beginning of the film? Launchpad McQuack. It is indeed Launchpad McQuack. Mate, <laughs> I don't know I, why, but that's stuck in my head. I know, me too. It's a Nintendo game. I think it's to do with Duck Hunter or something like that. So. It, I, I figured DuckTales or something like that. No, nah, I think it's Duck Hunter, the, the old um, NES game where you had the little controller, the, the shooting, the rifle kind of thing. Ah. I think, but I might be... Yeah, I sound like a mega geek now, right? Let's move okay. on. Now, this one's a bit of a kick in the crotch. How many different types of tea does Ramona offer Scott? That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's ridiculous, right? And I I thought you might ask this, but I thought you were going to ask me what tea they have, which mm. is sleepy time. But she offers about 14, 16. Fuck, I was going to say 16. Mate, that is ridiculously hard. Okay, the next one's really easy. This is question <laughs> Can't three. do how many types of tea does she offer. I don't Scand- know Scandalous. That. I'm not going to count them up, man. I have somewhat of a life. Right, let's move on. Um, after dumping knives, what game does Scott cheerfully learn the baseline to? Final Fantasy VII. No. No? It's Final Fantasy II. Fuck. See, that was easy. Yeah. When Kim pretends to shoot herself in the head, what sound effect appears above her head? Blam? Yep, it is indeed blam. So that's, that's question one. Gift. I've used that gift far too many times. Okay. Um, when Scott prepares for his final boss fight with Gideon, he puts on a T-shirt for which band? Ooh. That's hard. I'll give you a clue. Oh, mate. Um, yeah. Early, early to mid nineties alternate rock. Early to mid nineties. They were lumped in with the grunge scene, but they weren't actually a grunge band. 
It's not Plum Tree, is it? No. Is that a band? Because that's, that's known through the, the film, but I can't remember what. I think that's a symbol. It's not Smashing Pumpkins. It is the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, Christ. Yeah, there's some there's a couple of stuff in my head. Um, so that, that's, go on. that's three. Three. Now, I had two bonus questions, an easy one, a really fucking easy one, and then a really hard one. Oh, give so me both. Just for shits and giggles, you can have both. Here's the easy one. Right at the end of the film, the door that Scott and Ramona walk through has got what symbol on it? Oh, I can't remember. That's the easy one, isn't it? Yeah, that's the easy one. Even I knew this one. I can't remember. I've not, I, I, I was trying to focus on all the more complicated details. It's to do with the game, isn't it? Or is it's it not star. to do with the game? It's a star. Just, it's just a white door with a think it's a red star on it. They do the countdown from Tekken afterwards or Virtual Fighter or something. Okay, yeah. And the hard one, how long ago was Scott's last haircut? <laughs> it was precisely, and I can't remember the figure, but he says it was precisely, is it like 232 days ago? Or something? 431 oh. days. And then I think he says, and 17 hours or something. Nice. Now that, if I'd known that, then my life would have been dedicated if to Scott. If you knew Hogan. that, you wouldn't have a wife and kids. Exactly, because um, I've watched this film a lot, I'll be honest, but uh, three is okay. I, I was going to, to be prepared, I was going to list all the T's, um, and I was going to guess 16 before I said 14, but um, the Final Fantasy thing annoys me, because, yeah, I remember him playing it quite vividly. Yeah, and um, he sat there cheerfully bopping along. And he- see, I thought there was other things, I thought there was other things you were going to throw at me, like... Um, you know the other guys in the in the film that are in another superhero films, but I thought that might be too obvious. I thought it was. I was going to sort of go, but because we spoke about it, what, yeah. what happened is I I watched the film and I was saying to Rory, I was texting like I can't believe I didn't realise that it had A B C D and E. And off the top of my head, there's three characters in this. We'll go into it when we talk about the film. Yeah, that are in other superhero franchises, and I just completely missed them. There's, there's so much stuff I did research on to not fail at this quiz <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't want to appear completely daft. So, no, like I thought you'd ask me about Ramon's hair colour. Um, that comes from the Legend of Zelda, believe it or not. Um, oh, okay. And then... I was going to uh, ask you what the what game inspires the first couple of songs because the first two or three songs in it are from the Legend of Zelda. Yeah, and I thought you were going to ask me about Paku Paku to flap flat one's mouth, which is Pac-Man. Oh God, no. that's his that's his chat up line when he goes over. To, he talks to Knives, and Knives a young impressionable girl who takes it on board and really gets interested by his complete shit banter. But Ramona just completely dismisses him when when he brings it up with her at the party. So um, should we talk Scott Pilgrim? Yeah, we'll yeah, like, on TV. yeah. Start on on Scott Pilgrim, which to be yeah. honest, out of the two of them, I would say is by far the better film. Wow, I didn't think you were going to say that. To be honest, um, is that because you rewatched it a couple of days ago and actually really enjoyed it? Yeah, well, I, I I've watched it. That's probably about the third or fourth time I've seen it. But for some reason, I really enjoyed it this time round, and I don't know why. You know, everyone's got like a go to film they like to watch if you know want cheering up or. You know, easy watch kind of thing. Scott yeah. Pilgrim's probably my film for that that kind of mood. So, and and being a, a parent of of two difficult children, I've probably watched it quite a lot of times <laughs> for the last <laughs> few years. Um, 
it's just it's just such a good film, man. I'm I think I, I said to you on WhatsApp, it's it's the combination of things that I really like about it. So Michael Cera, when he he picks the right part, which he's done quite a lot in his career, if I give him a defence, a lot of people are a little bit unsure about him, but you know he basically plays the part he plays in Arrested Development in every film he's ever done. Um, he's in this. Um, and he's in what else is he in that's quite a big role for him? He's in Super Bad. So three films I really like. Um, so I give him a lot of props, really. Um, so he's he's great in this. I think the casting. I think you were surprised how many good actors are in this film when you watched it again. Yeah, I I was very surprised because there's every generation has a a glut of of, of celebs, don't they? That always seem like to be trend, trendy kind of yeah trendy yeah, actors. You had the, you had the Rat Pack, and then there was the Brat Pack. And then there's been other one. Then there was like this. I, I I would include three of the names on here: Anna Kendrick, Brie Larson, and a, especially Aubrey Plaza, who I think is fucking fantastic. They seem to be in a yes. lot of things. Like Aubrey Plaza is in pretty much every other film that's released. She the number of things she does is insane, and she always and this, plays the same yeah. part. She's always the angry, surly bitch, but she does it yes. really fucking well. She does. Those words you just used are quite funny because she she obviously gets bleeped in the film. Um, yeah, and he's going. Um, How do you keep doing that with your mouth? A, a, a cafe macchiato for effing Scott Pilgrim is the the line. Yeah, she. Um, they did that because then they didn't have to make it R rated, um, and it appealed to a slightly wider audience um, because there is obviously this some level of violence but it's like video game yeah. isn't it um, there's no blood there's no one I mean it's funny violence isn't it it's brilliant violence to be honest I mean that's what took me by surprise when I first watched this film so I remember dragging you know my wife along to see it at the time and and it, it's really not her style of film because it's I don't know it, there's too much elements that are, are fantasist kind of you know areas and she enjoyed it in fairness but you watch it and you think it's those kind of typical, I don't know, something Jesse Eisenberg would be in. Do you know what I mean? Of, of that that period, so like Adventureland or, you know, 500 Days of Summer came out about that time, those kind of style of films. And it starts off that way. So he's this kind of geeky, you know, as a 20-something guy struggling with coming to age and not facing reality in real life and stuff, playing in a band, you know, that kind of thing. Um and then the fight scene happens when they have their first gig uh, against Matthew Patel. And he has his theme in hipster chicks. And it's just like, what the fuck is this? It's really surreal, isn't it? Yeah. It just, it completely took me by surprise because obviously it's, you know, Scott Pilgrim versus World. I knew nothing of the comics. I'll be honest. Uh, I knew it was loosely, I knew it was based on one, um, but I'd never come across it at all. So I had no idea of the concept um, and then still, it, until it starts, you know, mentioning seven evil exes, um, and giving that across, I just didn't know what the type of film it would be. So I so thought it'd be your kind of typical, you know, Michael Cera film of that era. So yeah, it, it did really genuinely took me by surprise. And, um, I think even then, you know, I, I didn't know, I probably didn't know it was Edgar Wright going into it. And for anyone who doesn't know, um, it's Edgar Wright. Yeah. Shit, I did not know that. <laughs> yes, Edgar Wright. That's why I wanted an Ant-Man, Edgar Wright, because I just thought it would have been incredible. 
Um, and more commonly, more commonly known to everyone else for the uh, Cornetto trilogy. trilogy. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. so he's done. He did Shaun the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and then went off to do this, um, and then came back and did the the final the um, World's End. Yeah, the, 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 the shitter of the three films. Um, but yeah, it's, it's him, and they they told him not to cast anyone British <laughs> because. Obviously, it's Canadian filmed. It's filmed in Toronto, and um, it's he wanted to obviously go and make a, a completely different film, um, heavy budget because of you can see why. Oh, if yeah, you all, miss, all the CG in it. Yeah, CG is incredible in it as well. To be honest, but it and the way it's subtle, shot, isn't it? It, it, it is subtle. Yeah, it, it's cheesy CG you can get away with. You see a guy like Michael Cera, who's not. He's got like one muscle in his body, and that's probably his brain. <laughs> And then he's doing backflips and he's taken out, you know, a dozen ninjas and stuff. And yeah. you can get away with it being really over the top and shit because it's just, it's a live action video game basically, isn't it? it? It's basically that. I mean, if you, if you, if you grew up playing the Mega Drive, NES, Amiga, anything that most, well, a lot of people I know did of, of our age, do you know what I mean? So it was that kind of era. Um a lot of the references in this are just video game heavy. So even um, sounds. This well, I mean, the little sounds are all just brilliant. It's lots of Mario esque, isn't it? So the, the you know when he just goes to take a piss and his pee bar goes down. Yeah, that's from Mario. Um, the the KO is from Virtua Fighter. Uh, I think that was a. There's a lot. Of, there's a few things from a few sound bites from Mortal Kombat in there. Are things there's Mortal Kombat. Um, Mortal you've got, Kombat's you've got reference the, uh, the with the kind of as well. The coins, yeah, you've got, um, yeah, Matt, you've got Sonic kind of sounds there. You've got Tekken. The countdown is a Tekken countdown. Um, it just references so many great games from our childhood that I just instantly went, yeah, we're on the same level. I mean, <laughs> you know, it just, and the music, because I'm, it, you know, the, I think the soundtrack's awesome. I bought the soundtrack. At the minute I came out of the film, I think, um, I ordered the, the soundtrack on Amazon because, um, it just, it just connected with me. And I think a lot of Canadian bands, I don't think Beck's Canadian, he's American, isn't he? But Beck wrote three songs for it. I think he wrote, Beck wrote the songs that the band played. He, he did the Sex Bomb songs. And yeah. Metric were on there as well, who were just, I think they were just starting to come out. Cla- Clash at Demonhead, they did the song for them. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of other Canadian bands. Uh, I actually listened you, to the soundtrack this morning. It's good, isn't it? I just love the Sex Bomb songs. Garbage Truck I, sucks. A, <laughs> it's such a fun song. And the thing is, right, if you've watched, have you seen Juno before? Uh, yes. You know he plays guitar in that film? Yeah. Um, he, and he plays bass in this film. He has to dumb down his playing. He's quite known to be quite a proficient player right um, really good guitarist really good bass player but he has to dumb it down for the films for the persona do you know what i mean so yeah. um so for the bass in this when he's having his his bass battle oh yeah it's um, fucking awful yeah i know <laughs> he's just he's trying to step up but he just can't step it up do you know what i mean so and then he gets launched through about six walls or something i thought you're going to ask me how many walls you get launched through as well on the quiz but that didn't come on no 
I, I, was, I, I was sat watching the film with my laptop next to me and I was just going, oh, that'd be a good question. Or, or why why he lost his vegan powers as well. I thought you were going to ask me about that. That would have been a really, really good question, actually. Chicken, chicken Parmesan. Chicken Parmesan. And then it's the soy milk and then he has, he has, he has something half else. Half. Yeah, half and half, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, he's, what do you, you take of the, the guys like, um, well, Chris Evans and, Chris Evans and Bra- Brandon Rouse as well? Chris Evans was the surprise one because he, he, he showed a side that I, I hadn't really seen since the Fantastic Four, where yeah. he really overtly slapstick and we've seen him in proper serious fight scenes, but the, the skateboard fight that he does and the way he dies when he, he's grinding down that massive, massive railing. And then he just gets to the bottom and just blows up. Scott's just going, wow. Yeah. <laughs> just keeps panning back to him, yeah. I mean, all, all the fight scenes were were brilliant. Go on, who was your favourite fight scene then out of the, the Evil X's? I, I think, in, obviously, not in terms of the actual fight itself, but the, the animated fight between the Katunagi twins and Scott, um, where it's basically a, a, it's an amp versus amp. And the gorilla and the, the, the double dragon yeah. comes out. That's, that's a really well animated scene and, and they tear the roof off and stuff. I love that. Um, but probably the best, um, is against Roxy. I was going to say um, Roxy. Just because like, I don't know, when Ramona pulls the hammer out of a bag, you know, the extended hammer. Yeah. And she's got that kind of, she's got that Mortal Kombat belt, hasn't she? Like the kind of scorpion kind of thing. Yeah. And they, and then she starts fighting for Scott. Um, <laughs> it's just, I love that scene. I think it's a, it's a brilliant scene. And, um, I think that whole scene is great actually, because it, it's where the film starts to pick up its pace a little bit, because it's a little bit slow to begin with and it's kind of feeling its way in. Um, but then you get to the fight scene, um, where they have the base battle. And then you go quickly to, to that one, basically, where they're going to like an after show party. Um, and it just, I don't know. It's 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 a really good scene, and yeah, it's 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 one of those films. I, I honestly, I know it scene by scene, and <laughs> literally, the whole of it works really well for me. I think it's really well edited. Um, it's really well scaled, and just all the parts of it just work, you know, completely in sync. Um, any other favourite battles? So there isn't a lot of fighting. Otherwise, I mean, it's it's not a heavy. It's not about the fights really as much as that's part of the film you know I think that the best thing about the fight with Roxy is she's actually quite good she's a ninja she can teleport she is good and he's able to beat her by just touching the back of her knee that's all it takes (laughs) and then she just explodes (laughs) with her it's the dialogue though because she seems to be she's trying to be so offensive but without actually really swearing. And then when Ramona gets a backup, when she's saying it was just a phase and she's going, it was just a phase. <laughs> and like, she, she, what did she so say? Back offended. off has been. She oh, calls like, her a has been. I'll take your word for that. She yeah. calls her a has been. And then, you know. um, but I, I, I like the, the, the one with Todd just cause I, I like Brandon Routh. Yeah, well, he's great in the Atom, and it's the Atom, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is. He's brilliant because the Atom is one of my favourite Justice League members. When I started reading comics, he was a stable member of the Justice League, and Brandon Routh's really good. He he's a plausible scientist, but he's also a plausible sort of hero because he's pretty well built. He's bloody big, but then he got he, the, you know we got the Superman gig because he spilled coffee all over himself in the interview. 
I've heard that before, yeah. Well, and the casting like, interview, because they, they thought he could play a Clark Kent because he'd be like a bumbling, you know, he could do that part of it. I know it didn't work out for him and it's a shame because actually the guy's got potential. I think he's shown that. He, um, he's better than that film allowed him to be. We, we've talked a lot about Superman. They, they get it wrong a lot of times. I mean, they, they get it wrong more it wrong. often than they get it right. But he, he could have come out of that film better with good writing. But I agree. The, the bumbling bit that you just mentioned, he does that so well. So then to see him in this where he's being... Oh, he's, mean, an, he's an idiot, though, basically, in this film, which yeah. is what I love about him. And it, it's, the, it's the parallels they draw between veganism and telekinetic powers. And, you know, th- that's how these things work, where you stop eating meat and all of a sudden you, you unlock <laughs> all these powers. And, yeah, he, and he's just a bit it's of a simple, dick, Simply put, being a vegan makes it better than you. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. His speech outside when the... Um, he, he smashes Scott into the into the sky when he's talking about the cleaning lady, um, and he's just kind of losing his his track completely. Um, it's just he's quite funny, you know. Like it's it's quite a humorous scene, man. And the base battle is just it's great. Um, but it's so deadpan, isn't it? His delivery is so it's very. I I think it's very British the way he delivers it. It's very very sort of Monty Python straight faced. That'd like be the he, director's influence as well, though, on that, you know? Yeah, and he, he believes all his own bullshit and that, and, and everyone's kind of in awe of this, you know, because he's like a fifth-level vegan or something. It reminds me of, I think <laughs> it was, it's it's a line from The Simpsons, Lisa and the Tree, or Lisa and the Giant Tree. She's in awe of this this guy, and, he's, and I think he's a fifth-level vegan, and the definition of that is he doesn't eat anything that casts a shadow. Yeah, he, he, what does he, he says in the film, man, this is how much I know this film, but he doesn't partake in the eating of the the breast milk or the, the ovum or that. It's just like, yeah, he basically saying he is <laughs> completely vegan until he obviously has his third strike. Um, and he's saying chicken isn't vegan, you know, eggs aren't vegan. Yeah, it's quite, <laughs> it's just, he's absolutely, he took me by surprise in this film. He really is good. Um, I think, I mean, all the cast, like I said, I honestly got time for all of them. I think Alison Pill, who plays the drummer. Um, yeah, Apparently she, she only blinks once in the film, uh, which is in the last scene when they make up. The rest of the time when they pan to her, she's just staring straight. She does look um, like a serial killer. She, she she's does. Got a stare. If she was staring at you from across the room, you'd leave the room and possibly the country just to get yeah. away from her stare. Yeah, and the Culkin, is it Kieran or is it Rory? Uh, Kieran. It Rory? It's Kieran. Um, he's brilliant as his gay roommate. Um, he's He's got a lot of uh, classic, overtly kind of homosexual lines. Do you know what I mean? It's it's very much... Well, they, they've, dialed it, they've dialed up the camp, haven't they? Yeah, on purpose. Yeah. Um, and, and I like that about it because it, it shows, you know, the, it's nice that, you know, the, the two of them share a bed. They live in this awful squalor. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll they'll lie there together, and and Wallace is notorious for his text, and where even when he's unconscious, he's able to spread <laughs> rooms around. And and you've got uh, you've got Anna Kendrick. Um, yeah, it's Wallace and Anna Kendrick's kind of relationship's quite good. Um, where Wallace, yeah, Wallace being a gossipy bitch, texts her and says he's dating a high schooler, and um, Kendrick's kind of outraged. She's got so little screen time, but she's very good when she's on it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, same with Brie Larson as well as Envy. Envy oh, she's brilliant as Envy. Yeah. So she's another one for for anyone that was that we mentioned the comic book connection. 
So we've got obviously we've got Captain America, Chris Evans. We've got the and the Human Torch as well. Yeah. Too, true, he, he was a two striker, and then we've got Brie Larson, who a couple of months ago was confirmed as being Captain Marvel. So it's nice that you've got people who are you know, within the, the comic book world, because it's well known that Brandon Routh and Chris Evans are both comic fans, so it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they may have come across Scott Pilgrim somewhere down the line. Well, yeah, and, and to only play small parts, do you know what I mean? That they're, they're not in the film for long. Do you know what I mean? They're just an evil No, ex, I mean, so. Chris Evans must only be in it for, what, three, three, four minutes? Yeah, and it's the same with Brandon Routh. He's literally playing his bass when they're on stage. Um, they have a bit of of chat where he, he punches up highlights out of her hair um, and she says you're incorrigible <laughs> and they say they don't know the meaning of the word and then it flashes up with his eyes saying he really doesn't uh, <laughs> which I just think is hilarious but um, yeah they're literally in it for, for minutes do you know what I mean and, and it's even um, G-Man um, who's played by God Jason Schwartzman um, who's in who films he in all the time? Wes Anderson films, isn't he? He's pretty much in every Wes Anderson film. Um, so he plays Gideon Graves, he plays G-Man. Um, he's only in it for the last 10 minutes of the film, 15 minutes. Yeah, it, it, they've got a sort of a classic big battle. It's like a boss battle, isn't it? It's yeah, like but the you, whole, you've never the whole seen film. You've only heard him. You've always heard about Gideon and G-Man. And then right yeah. at the last second... He puts it together and he realizes that Gideon is G-Man and yeah. and even though he's the bad guy and he's done all this horrible shit, he's a really nice guy and he's trying to help out Scott. He wants to sign the band and he doesn't want there to be any bad blood, even though he's just completely ruined his life and stolen his girlfriend. Well, yeah, I think he's got ulterior motives a little bit, but yeah, it's it is it, it plays out because of the boss element. It plays out like a game. Do you know what I mean? It plays out like you like a, like a Streets of Rage 2, like a side-scrolling kind of beat-em-up where you've got bosses at every interval. And um, yeah, I just think, I don't know, it's probably one of those films that just combines gaming and films and music, which are all things I love, and just kind of neatly puts them together in one wholesome package. So um, yeah, I could watch it every day and probably not get bored of it. It's, it's, it's crazy to think it's one of my favourite films because... It's not without flaws. Um, you know, it's not a perfect film. Um, but there's but no it's, such thing as there's a perfect film, really. Exactly, exactly. And I can see why, and I'm very honest, I can see why people would hate it, because it has certain elements, especially if you don't like Michael Cera. Um, Which is understandable, because he's got the kind of face that you wouldn't mind hitting with a chair. Especially with that hair. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the scene when it talks about it's 431, which I won't forget now in 17 hours or whatever you just said before. Um, uh, 431 days since his last haircut. And they choose, he chooses to go out so he can put a hat on. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he's nervous about getting the second or third base um, or whatever it is he's trying to do um, when he's cooking her his famous garlic bread. Um, and Wallace says maybe even second and a half base. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and he's nervous, so he puts his hat on to go out. And it's it's the way it's shot. I mean, if you know Edgar Wright, and and that's and I will keep going back to it, but that's why I wanted an Ant Man film because of this film. You know, Ant Man directed by Edgar Wright would have been <sighs> different to this, um, but it still would have had certain elements. Like, I think his editing, I think the way he he pans really quickly for camera shots. 
Um, I think it's quite unique. I don't think there's a lot of directors. And he writes and directs and produces, and it's quite rare. So Christopher Nolan does that. Um, I think Spielberg. You kind of major players do that, uh, Tarantino certainly. So they, they don't do as many films because they're not tied into as many projects because they like to see it from writing stage, pre-production into fruition and production and, and, and to release. So I think Edgar Wright is quite rare like that. And he's a British director. And I, I kind of always like that, you know, it's British in me to hope that the directors will do well. And, and he's certainly up there as, as one of the more acclaimed directors. Um, he's got a big film coming out with a huge cast, I think this year or next year, um, which is a different style. So it'd be interesting to see where he goes. But um, I do think this is, I don't know, it's up there with one of his, his finest films. And um, I just think everyone in it, works perfectly i think the um i think just the style the way it's shot the way it's edited um i think the script's really solid um and i think the fighting like you said it's cheesy but it holds up pretty well but it's meant to be cheesy it's based on the 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 early days of game and isn't it when it was cheesy it's based on like you said the 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 2d sideways scrolling so yeah yeah. The Manic Miner and stuff like that, where it was awful 8-bit graphics, 8-bit sound. Yeah. And Even the opening is 8-bit. Do you know what I mean? When they do the Universal oh, thing. Oh, God, yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that was, um, that was Edgar's input. Again, he, he got that changed. Um, he just thought it would work. I think on the soundtrack, um, you know, when they're playing the Chaos, oh, not the Chaos Theatre, when they're doing the battle against the Katanyagi, Katinagi twins. Yeah. Um, that song that they do there is turned into an 8-bit version or a 16-bit version on, on the on the soundtrack. So there's a, there's a whole genre of music around that, you know. Like I know. People who are making uh, a friend of mine, Chris, told me about it. Like bands that are making 8-bit music. So it, it's well, all it's a bed. I think it's more of a bedroom scene. I don't think you could go and watch a gig of it. But have you ever heard the 8-bit version of Game of Thrones? Yes. Yes. I went on a bit of a mission to find every album and every song that I could do. And it's weird because th- some of the sounds are so shrill that it sounds like, it feels like your eardrums are going to burst. But I'll, do, really I'll do a quick good. shout out to the One Up podcast, which I, I did a couple of, and Guy Drinkle's now wonderfully hosting. Um, that opening's got kind of 8-bit soundtrack, um, which is really cool, 8-bit song. Um, and there was a whole host of it when we first did it, gags put together. And it's, it's just like this. He kept playing them over, <laughs> over the kind of Skype call. And there was just endless upon endless eight bit versions of different things. Oh and it was Lord. absolutely madness, man. Um, it's really fun. Um, yeah. I mean, I could go on. That's the problem. I could just fanboy about this film all night. So I, I won't because we have two films to cover. Um, any closes from you about the film? Uh, anyone who shouldn't see it should bloody watch it, in my opinion. But yeah, that's, that's absolutely. Me. If you if you like cheesy films, it is funny. It is very funny. It's got a good cast of relatable characters. If you like video games, if you grew up, as you said, yes. playing Mega Drives, Ataris, NES, SNES, if you like your sideways scrolling, cheesy graphics, shite games basically by modern standards, watch the <sighs> film. It's essentially an hour and a half video game cutscene. I would call them classics. You could call them shite games, but I still think Streets of Rage 2 is the 
one of the finest games ever made. Well, one, we, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Isn't we can talk about like Golden that. Axe as well if you want. We can oh, really fucking go off Golden on Axe. I was playing that a couple of months ago. Uh, one what of my mates had one of the uh, the Mega Drive collection on the PlayStation, yeah. and we were playing that. That game has not got any better. It, do you know what the funny thing with that game is? If you play it, it lasts about forty minutes, and I, I completed it and went, "Shit, is that the game?" Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And if you download it because it's on like iOS or it might be on your Android Android version. Um, it's it's like it's seven megabytes or or it's less. Do you know what I mean? It's something ridiculous. Um, it's quite remarkable how much they cram a game into this small amount of coding and small amount of memory. You know, so yeah, it's 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 memories, man. I think that's the thing. This film it brings is, back it, a lot memories. of memories, and a lot if you of fond memories. To the soundtrack. Go and listen to the soundtrack. It's a great it's soundtrack. Got, There's some good good songs on there as well. So you've yeah. got Beck, Metric, Broken Social Scene, Dan the Automator. Rolling Stones as well. Really? Under My, Under My Thumb, which is played oh, when yeah, he's yeah. in the limo. Good song. Classic song. Um, yeah, Undertones has got a song in there, which is really good as well. It's, a, it's, um, it's or maybe not Undertones. It's, it's a British band of that era. But um, yeah, it's, it's a great film, great soundtrack, great references. I would advise anyone to, to check it out if they haven't already. So we've discussed Scott Pilgrim. I've basically fanboyed and spoken about 200 words a minute for the last 35 minutes. Um, so change. now for a change. Yeah. So now we're going to move on and talk about V for Vendetta. Do you know what? I'll, I'll come out with it first. First time I watched this, I didn't like it that much. <gasps> you troll. I know. Um, I thought I'd bring some controversy back. Um, and then I watched it a couple of times, uh, including, uh, over the weekend and the third time I watched it, which is over the weekend, I really enjoyed it. And I, I'm not sure why I didn't get into it the first couple of times. I know. Go on. The first time I watched it, there was two things that stuck in my head in a, yes. in a really bad way. Hugo Weaving's accent. Yeah. And Natalie Portman's accent. But now I find <laughs> Hugo Weaving's voice beyond charming, his delivery, the, the way he, he's so eloquent. He's like a walking thesaurus, isn't he? He is. He is. But Natalie Portman's accent is still terrible, but we all accept that Natalie Portman is a terrible actress and shouldn't be cast in anything. And she isn't anymore, really. Wait, wait, wait. Are you serious? Yeah, I don't like Natalie Portman. Why is it you don't like Natalie Portman? Because I think she couldn't act her way out of a wet nutsack. She has done some bad parts. (laughs) I'll be honest that she's done some shocking parts. So... Let's list a few of her shockers. So she's very good in Leon, but she's a child. The Star Wars prequels. Yes, I was going to mention, if we want to talk. She was turbo wank. I think that that film, you know, where they have that kind of love interest between Uh, her. um, It's probably the worst film or worst scene in a film that whole period that I can remember. Uh, honestly, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. It was so awful. Um, they have gotten, her and Hayden Christensen have got no chemistry at all. You'd get more chemistry if you got one of them trying to hump a wall. Yeah. She's had a, a very mixed career. She, she, the one thing you might like her in, um, if you watch the Darjeeling Limited by Wes Anderson, she has a brief scene in the beginning of that with Jason Schwartzman, linked to what we talked about in Scott Pilgrim. Um, 
where she's pretty much naked the whole thing. So oh. yeah, that was quite enjoyable. But otherwise, um, yeah, a few train wrecks in there. Didn't she win an Oscar though for Black Swan? I think she might. Have yeah, done. she did. But let's be honest, she won an Oscar because there was one particular scene which will forever live in infamy. I've not seen that film, so I've not seen okay. the film, but I've seen that scene. She was up for an Oscar in in bloody um, a film called Closer, which is kind of an intense psychological thriller of years gone by as well. So some people like her. Do you know what I mean? She's done the odd film, which which gets some praise. Yeah, but, but... some people like listening to Adele as well. So let's not give people much credit. <laughs> um, so you really don't like Natalie Portman, even in this film. I don't like her as I don't like her as an actress, but I like the character that she plays. I, like. I think the character's good in this Easy's film. And I, I, think, I think she grows into that role as well. I think what I was gonna say is the first hour of this film is pretty slow. It is, and it, I, it it's an unca- it's a it's a secretly long film, isn't it? I don't notice how it's long it's just over two hours, but I I'll be genuinely honest, I think you could fit it into hundred minutes. I think it's what, well, it's just, it feels, there's a lot of, there's a lot of narrative in the middle. um, And obviously there's not a lot of dialogue throughout the film. I mean, there are when Hugo's there, but there's a lot of periods where I just don't know the stuff with Stephen Fry. That seems a bit unnecessary. Um, There's just certain intervals in in the film where I thought, it didn't grip me, but like I said, the, the second hour on in this film, when it, it goes up a level, essentially when she gets, um, when Stephen Fry gets killed and um, she gets taken to prison, which is actually his in prison. commas. Yeah. That onwards is when it gripped me a little bit. Shaved her head, uh, started that, showing emotion. That's you know. when it starts really getting psychological. That's when the head fuck really sets in. But that's when it gets good, you know. That's when it sets it apart a little bit. That's when it gets interesting because before that, I think the action scenes are a little bit dubious. I think there's elements where he's kind of indestructible, a little bit like Star Wars, where they they miss all the time, <laughs> you know, like the stormtroopers, um, and it just feels a little bit unrealistic. But it, when it takes it on that level, and then you start to learn more about V, and, and you start to kind of appreciate. No, like I did in the quiz, you know, that when he talks about his best film and he wakes her up by having a sword fight with the the you know, the knight's costume in his living room. I that's really charming, you know. There's there's elements of that where it's like this is this is really good. I, I, I really came round to it and actually the overall story and the message of the film hits quite strong at the end. Um it did did surprise me. That's one of the best words to use about V is charming. Yeah. You know, he, he's, he's got a sort of a Batman mystique about him. He, he's a vigilante. He's obviously, he's costumed for effect and the drama and the, the, the theatrics about the way he speaks, the way he fights. I love the fact that he uses knives. They could have yeah. made this. He, he could have gone on his rampage because it is a rampage. You know, he's not, he's not just trying to put people down for, you know, to, to put them in hospital. He, he's slaughtering these people that he feels are, you know, dragging the country down. And they could have done it where he snipes them all from 200 yeah, metres away and, and, and he doesn't get his hands dirty or he's got machine guns or whatever. But the fact that he uses not even swords, he's using knives. He's got to be within about three inches of people 
to to really get at them. He, he's got a few knives that he throws, but a lot of his work is up close. And I it's love a lot that about him. Yeah. It's, it's very. I th- it's it's quite medieval, isn't it? You know, it's, it, it's. Well, I think it all harks back to you know the Guy Fawkes element of it. It does like to kind of feel like, even though you're in London in the future, 2020, I think it's set or late 20, you know, 20s. You know, um, it feels like it's old old town London, doesn't it? You know, because it's yeah. all shot there. Um, I think that's the rare thing about it because not many films shoot in those areas of London. I think I read that they had to shoot between half four and half six in the morning. They were allowed to shoot and they were only allowed to stop traffic for like a couple of minutes or a few minutes at a time. So um, it was really done within a really strict strict time scale. Must have been pretty grueling to shoot <laughs> night shoots nearly the whole time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I just thought that element of bringing London onto screen it's done before um but often now things are done cgi or even like sherlock um you know the the, the downey jr version that's shot in manchester a lot and, and you know acted like it's london do you know what i mean so yeah. um they'd often do that now where they 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 you know fake a london backdrop whereas that feels you know really gritty london streets and um especially even that opening scene you know where she stumbles across those guys of the Norse fire or whatever you called them as otherwise fingermen yeah and they threatened to rape her and all sorts basically um and then V makes uh, this fantastic introduction where he does make his fantastic introduction yeah his dialogue where every other word starts with a V and he he just sounds like an excited child because as he gets to the end he just breaks into laughter and He's, 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 he's not right in the head, is he, V? You no, know what I mean? He's, he's, he's kind of maniacal, you know, and that's what's kind of likable about him. But, um, maniacal, yeah, it was interesting. He's got like, because he doesn't kill anyone ability. in that first scene, though, does he? He doesn't kill anyone. He just kind of hurts them. He wounds them. Yeah. Um, and you think, okay, maybe he's not going to set off on this path. Maybe he's, he's trying a different message, but no, he soon starts to kill people left, right, and center. Do you know what I mean? So, in pretty um, spectacular fashion it must be said yes and, he, and he's so brazen about it like when um uh, v and evie are sat at home well sat at his home watching and the uh the news breaks that um prothero has has been found dead and she just kind of sits and slowly turns her head at him and she's like did you have anything to do with this and he goes <laughs> yeah yeah i killed him <laughs> you know, there's no there's no facade about him there's no well like yeah yeah killed him so because he knows what he is doesn't he? he's not ashamed he's on a mission he, yeah he makes no bones about the fact i am here to right the wrongs i'm going to take down parliament and i'm going to give the country the clean slate that it needs fuck everyone who gets in the way it's quite a big cast of people obviously so there's a kind of british influence so gary oldman plays the kind of dictator doesn't he the villain so it's quite interesting because he no john hurt sorry john hurt they're so similar um, and john hurt's brilliant he, he's got one of those voices no matter what he's saying he sounds yeah. like a villain he does he does um i don't know why i was convinced it was gary Oldman. um i was gonna make the batman connection and everything but um stephen yeah, john... fry obviously sir stephen of fry who yes. i love 
It's good to see. I mean, Stephen Fry's got a surprisingly long list of credits under his name, hasn't he? Because people don't think he's never a lead. Do you know what I mean? No. But he, he's been in a lot of films. Um, he's he's in quite a lot of big budget films and stuff. But this, yeah, this that works really well with him. And he plays a presenter, doesn't he? On, he on basically the, the plays himself. News. Another question I was going to ask: What's the news, or what's the the only television network called? Oh, couldn't tell you. BTN, I think. Shit, I should have used that question. Because <laughs> um, that's the only network, isn't it, that they broadcast on. It's like some kind of proper dictatorship country. Where, yeah. um, and his program is obviously extremely popular when he decides to broadcast something quite humorous, um, which is basically the start of the uprising, really. So his role is quite pivotal in the film in lots of ways. Um, and he's, he's a good foil for Evie as well, isn't he? Because... He, he's really the closest thing to family that she's got. Yeah. And she confides in him and then he he confides in her and he reveals that he's gay and, and, and he has that brilliant line where he says, it, it's something along the lines of, oh, my dear, if, if, they found, if they broke in here, you would be the least of my worries. And then he shows <laughs> the room and he's got all the... He's, he's got, got Quran. He, yeah, he's got yeah. the anti-establishment material and he, it, it turns out that he's a bit of an activist. And then she turns around and she sees he's got sort of man on man erotic artwork on the walls, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh right, okay." And and then yeah. he reveals that that's that's the only reason that he has dinner dates with her because he's expected to because he he, he has to make sure that nobody realizes that he's gay. Exactly. And that, that's one of the things I like about it, even though it's set in the in the distant future. It's this. I like anything that portrays a dystopian future, but this one seems especially plausible. It's not. There's not been any. There's not been a nuclear war or anything like that. There's not been a zombie apocalypse. It's just been. There's been an uprising. There's been some kind of a coup, and just a bunch of self-serving arseholes have put themselves into power, and are now just controlling. Like you were saying, they control the airwaves. They they control what people see and hear, and yeah. they're gradually just brainwashing the country. And it's not beyond the realms of possibility that it could happen. And if that did ever happen, then there would be. A resistance there would be a, a, an underground movement that that would try and take them down but whenever there's an underground movement there is always one person that has to stand up and actually do something about it because if you stay underground forever you'll never you'll never exact any change will you no exactly no exactly so I, um, I like the realism of it it's it, it could happen and, and have you ever has, seen a film you ever seen a film called children of men before no i think we talked about this before you should watch it um there's a lot i should watch according to you well that's true i think you'd like this though it's it's a kind of it's kind of sci-fi it's got these elements to it where it's kind of uh modern british society um, i have heard class. of it I've, ju- I've just had a quick look and I Clive Owen it. it's quite a big film i think the director's gone on to do gravity and that's why he's got famous but he's also Maybe he did a couple of other things, but it's it's a really kind of dark, gritty film, really good. Um, but that's got similar themes, you know, modern London, uh, you know, broken society. I think that the, the story on that one is that um, women can't have children anymore. So society basically breaks down and anarchy exists and finds out that one of the girls is pregnant and there is hope and stuff. So it's pretty good, man. I think you'd like it. It's, it's got a similar feel to this. It, it um, does sound like film. street, that. Yeah, it's got a similar feel to this. You, it's a good film. Um, I might watch it again, actually, tonight. Um, and, 
Yeah, V V V's a great film, actually. It it really is. It's it's very different in style to a lot of films. Um I it's don't very remember. much did did we mention him when we did our anti heroes pod? No, but he's up there. We we should have done because now he's I don't know whether you'd say he's mainstream, but in, in terms of comics, I whenever I look at lists of, of anti heroes, because I he's he's generally in the he's round the middle. Because he, yeah. he's got he's got that he's got a bit of a like I said before he's got a bit of a Batman mystique around him hasn't he he's he clearly does. he's not all there he's not right but he takes it a little bit further he takes it to the nth degree where he is willing to do the things that the likes of Batman aren't willing to do he's got the Deadpool approach hasn't he if you're yeah. a bad guy I'm I'm gonna kill you but he's yeah, just not getting paid agree. for it no certainly not um, the one thing I'd say. I mean, there's a lot of scenes that stand out to me, and I think we should talk about the the final scene in a little bit in particular because it's pretty it's pretty spectacular that whole closing you know period of the film. Um, but the, the scene when she's in prison and she's had her head shaved and she reads that letter and she now, did actually get her head that that was her head being shaved live. I, I think I, I know she wasn't a wig. I know she's chosen some bad parts. I don't. I think it's a British accent's tough if you're a young actor, actress anyway. But I think she's pretty good in this man. I think she's pretty solid. I, I think you're being a little bit harsh on Natalie Portman, but it may be just because I fancied her for a very long period of time. Uh, I'm defending her, um, but she, she in that scene where she's reading the letter, that's a that's a pretty powerful scene. I think that's the kind of game changing scene where it. it kind of made me pay a bit more attention because it just introduced other elements to the film. And and before that, in particular with her, she was a bit washy. You she know, was very like, wet, wasn't she? She was yeah, a and, wet and, blanket. And I think she was supposed to be. I think they needed to see her go through that transition and toughen up and, and, and she become needed, the person. She, she needed to realise that if she carries on the way she she's going, she's just going to either end up dead or she's going to end up just one of the brainwashed masses, and exactly the, the the psychological abuse that she goes through at his hands. Somebody who she's she's considering a friend is is quite startling, you know. And, and it's going on for a long time, a long, long time. To yeah, break it's hard to down. get that. It's hard to get that scale across, but it's certainly not a short interval. Do you know what I mean? She does go through it, and she rejects that kind of food for quite a period of it. So she's starved no bed in there. Do you know what I mean? Those scenes where it's just panned up and it's her lying on the floor. Yeah. And, uh, and just a no toilet. Daylight. No, she's that's just, intense, man. That's solitude, you know, and, that's and solitude that, They confinement. must have been hard to film. Like you were saying about the, the night shoots, they must have been hard for her because when she's lying on the floor and they yell cut, they're going to do it again, aren't they? And go, right, we need a little bit more of this, we need a little bit more of that. So she must have been very uncomfortable while she's yeah no completely i mean she was quite youngish i mean she's in her early 20s you know so um not the most seasoned of actresses she's probably i, I don't know if star wars was before this or after this it's 2006 wasn't it 10 years ago I think. so yeah so i don't know i think it's a good part for her um obviously her career's i don't know she won an oscar but it's not really kicked on like she might hope from here um this was an edgier role you know um but yeah, I think I think from then on, you know, that letter she reads, um, that kind of breakdown she has, and then that's the making of her. I think it sets the film up extremely well. 
and then she just obviously begins to understand his cause and understand why he's doing it and, and understand what he must do and sacrifice himself for, for the overall thing. I think the way you get to know his story pretty much through who he kills, do you know what I mean? The way it's kind of told, especially the scene uh, which was to do with that quiz question, um, to do with that lady who he he injects, uh, lethal injection kind of style. Um, a Randy facility. Um, I don't quite understand what happened to him. So obviously he was scarred, burnt badly, and was he tested upon? It, yeah, you, the, it, 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 sort of it was like an one. outbreak, wasn't it? It was like a like a end of the world kind of outbreak where a lot of people were killed off, and it was intentional. Yeah, but he they, had he had certain genetic makeup that made him immune to certain parts of it. I think. Yeah, well, what it sounds like what they were doing is that they they had a number of of detention camps, and they were sending people there that 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 had certain attributes that they thought would either make them. It's like neo-Nazi stuff, isn't it? Yeah, there are huge Nazi undertones. The the Norse Fire Party is clearly harking back to what the Nazis were doing with the control of of what people see and hear, the propaganda, the the concentration camps, the experiments. The the Fingermen are essentially just a modern-day SS, aren't they, carrying out the will with an iron, iron fist or whatever. And and they were they were doing these experiments to try and find the ultimate biological weapon. Yeah. And then they did a couple of controlled releases. The incidents that the um oh the the cop or what's his name, um Finch. Yeah. He he starts piecing it all together, doesn't he? And he's a fascinating character that He's good in this. Yeah. There, there was the really my favourite scene with him is when V is taken over the, the T V station. And he's broadcasting his little DVD, and he's brought he's talking to the whole country. But Finch is stood there in the lobby, and it's as if he's speaking directly to him, and he's saying, "You there?" And he, he's saying, "You know, you, you, basically, he's going, you don't you don't fully believe the bullshit that they're feeding you. You know that they're not doing the right thing. You know that they're not the good guys, and all of this. And you can sort of see, can't you, in the back of his mind? That's when the seeds get that get planted in his head, and he's like, you know what? Maybe he's not the terrorist, and that's when he starts digging, and he just finds these little, little nuggets of information, and then he looks into what happens. He finds out about the doctor changing a name, and he starts piecing it all together. And then come the final yeah. scene, he could have stopped that happening if he wanted to. He could, but he lets it. He's completely complicit in what happens because he knows that the people he's been working for for 20-something years, he proudly says, doesn't he, you know, I, I've been a proud member of the party for 23 years or something like that. And he realises that it's rotten and that the only sensible thing to do is to let her send the explosives off. Uh, but my favourite scene overall is actually the the subway scene where V um, meets with Creedy and his men. Mm. And Creedy brings down the, the Chancellor and just shoots him in the head because he's a snivelling little little wuss. He is. And then all of his, he's got what, nearly a dozen men and they it's all a, unload thousands dozen, yeah. of rounds into him. And then he says, you'll all be dead before, you've, before reloaded. you've reloaded yeah. and you're going, fuck off, come on. You might get a <laughs> few of them, you might even get most of them, but there's no way you're going to get all of them before they've managed to reload. It's a little Stormtrooper-esque though. I mean, none of them can take a headshot. 
Oh, Do you know what I mean? True. None of well, but his ma- it wouldn't have mattered if he got a headshot because his mask is metal anyway. Oh, it is. That's true. In the mask, but he's. He, he, I mean, it does ultimately kill him, doesn't it? Because the the amount of, his body takes such a, a ploughing, but he's still got enough in him to run at, at lightning speed to get round. He throws knives. He's slashing people. He's it's, throwing it's a great scene. And, that it's a really well shot scene. That's like your ca- your Matrix multi camera angle esque, isn't it? You yeah, know, it's really well done. It's really well blended between the 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 normal time and the and the slow. You know, the really snail's pace, and then he just yeah. grabs Creedy, lifts him off the floor, and it looks like he's going to throttle him, but he doesn't he throttle him. He just neck. snaps his neck from the front. And it, it's it's a pretty violent film, actually. You know, when you put it in context, and there's a lot know. of blood. Like when he stabs people and he pulls the knives out and he throws yeah. bodies. There's giant splashes of red, isn't there? And Kalon, Kalon would love to talk about that again. Yeah, the uh, the 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 visuals and the cinematography because it's underground, isn't it? So it's essentially black and white. But then you yeah. get these huge flashes of color, and that. It's brilliant. It's just yeah. Brilliant. I think that the flashes of colour throughout the film. You know, you, you've you've read B signs against your black and white backdrop. It is quite a visually, you know, colourful, you know, intense film. And, also and that final film scene is yeah. Final scene is great. I mean, you know, you talked about that scene with the fighting, but when they pan up to the streets and all those people in full mask and outfits, you know, are, are parading on towards. You know, Big Ben and um, and the explosions, which are essentially just fireworks. Let's be honest. <laughs> Maybe they didn't have the budget to make it happen, but um... and it's quite striking as well, isn't it? Because when when he starts off, they paint him as being a lone terrorist. Yeah, but clearly, the the few messages he gets out, he's able again to he can sow the seeds in people's mind. Like there's that little girl, isn't there? Where they're, they're the watching girl's the news, quite telling. And, yeah. and I think it's about the old Bailey, and she just storms off, and she goes, "Oh, a load of bollocks!" So even a kid is able to see through the propaganda, and she's not dumb enough. And then, you, well, you does think she get she get killed? She oh, gets no. killed, yeah, because she's running away from one of the one of the fingermen, um, and he shoots her because they they issue the order, don't they? Anyone that is seen on the streets wearing a V mask, yeah, is to be shot. But then that guy gets set upon by a lynch mob and they beat the snot out of him. And that's when the real, the, that's the, when the it unrest, starts. that's yeah, when yeah, it yeah. really kicks off. And then you, you see there's a brilliant aerial shot when you've got all the people walking towards the army and the, the general or whatever the hell he is. Yeah. He's got that, that split second decision to make about, are they actually going to shoot the British public? And he decides, look, we can't do it. So he steps down and then as they pan up, you realise it's not a couple of hundred people. This is thousands upon thousands of people all coming in from all different angles, all congregating on the on the bridge. Yeah, it's, it was a great scene. And I think this film has got some really iconic scenes. I think it, it does it justice, and I think a lot of people do love this graphic novel. You know, we've we've heard a lot of people from day one of doing this that said V for Vendetta. You know, um, really popular. Um, again, slightly cult. You know, famous. You know, a oh, bit like Scott Pilgrim. Definitely so. a cult favourite. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's nice to cover it because I think it, it warrants it. Um, you could even too... argue that this is actually DC's um, best film because it is wow. it, it is part of DC's property. It's um, Vertigo. Oh, are we are we above the Dark Knight? <laughs> are you really going to go there? 
I think there's... Um, no. Mm. No. Mm. There's no way I think, on earth. I think it's criminally underrated. I really, really... It's, it's underrated. underrated. Yeah, it's underrated. I would I would certainly rate it higher than Batman vs. Superman or anything in the modern creations of DC, which, you know, leave a lot to be desired, you know? so To be honest, um, I actually had this conversation earlier on. I very often forget about the, the Dark Knight films. You cannot forget that trilogy, man. That is an incredible trilogy of films. It is, but it, they just kind of slip the mind. It's... I don't know. It's because they feel like an ulterior universe. It's like they don't uh, feel like a DC film because they were done so well. No, I mean I'm writing uh, an article which is taking me far too long, but I'm writing an article about uh, Marvel's kind of uh, the way they they develop their films over a longer period of time, and where DC are basically you know going for the, the jugular, you know, trying to catch up by doing throwing money at it and. and and just trying their own way of doing things. And yeah, you forget that we, we've talked about it before that, that DC had that opportunity after the, the, the Batman trilogy where they could kick on and be a real force. Do you know what I mean? Because you've got to think those films ended probably 2013, 14, maybe or earlier than that. It was I'm earlier on. than that. Was it two? It was 11 or 12. Okay. So, but from then on, you would have thought they could have had a game plan which they, they thought they were doing, but it's strange to take it back to Batman. Do you know what I mean? It, they could have gone on from there to do other things. Um, we said they had Anne Hathaway and they could have moved on and used her as Catwoman. Um, she's actually said this week that she's very interested in in, repri- in reprising her role mm, in, a sol- in a solo Catwoman film. That, that'd work. Um, but they had the opportunity to do that then. And they yeah, missed you, you, it. you need to capitalize on the momentum, don't you? You can't just let things go cold and then dig them up. You've got to strike while the iron's and, hot. And, and in a lot of ways, they were lucky because they had Nolan, um, who directed, a, you know, a near perfect trilogy. Do you know what I mean? And there's questions over the third film, but only minor ones, really. Um, and he, he had it all poised and balanced and set up, ready to, to launch them into, what they needed to do next, but they couldn't see past him. Do you know what I mean? And because and, he was one of those directors that does the whole lot, maybe they just didn't have the understanding of, of where to take it next, you know? So it's, it, it's always a bit of a shame for me, but I do know what you mean. They, they are seen slightly away from, it's, it's strange to say that because they're three Batman films, successful Batman films, crazily successful, but, um, but they, they're not in the same universe in the in the same light of things, you know. So, yeah, I'm with you. But I, I couldn't call this film better than Dark Knight. No it's chance. better than the majority of the stuff that they've done. Like I say, I very often forget about those films. I don't consider them to be DC films because they were done so well. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's that's very true. Um, should we wrap? Are we done? Oh, I, I thought you meant we were going to have a rap battle. I, I'm just no. I'm, I'm so not prepared. No. I've I've not uh, got any rhymes or anything. I got nothing. I've got nothing to offer. Um, yeah, I think I'm I'm happy, man. It was nice to cover those two films. It's a change for us to do two and and keep it within a reasonable ish time level. And we've also uh, been saying for about six months that we were going to do. Yeah, I think it's true. I think there's other things we need to see come to fruition now um, because it's it's that time of year. I mean, Walking Dead's back next month. That's yeah, around. and all the all the comic book stuff back in two weeks. Finally, man, it's been a long way in for fact, those kind of things. things. Agents of Shield is actually back next week. It's the Flash and Arrow. I think are back in two weeks. 
Flash, Arrow, yeah. Legends, and oh, Supergirl. Flash would be good, man. It'd be good to have the flashback. I, I can't wait for all of them. I'm actually really looking forward to Supergirl coming back. You're a big fan. I am. It's I, gonna, I believe it's, it's on go Netflix, so I might have to. I might have to pursue it now. Uh, it, it's going to go it down a, a much better line now. It's on CW now. They don't have to pander to a, the younger audience. They can be a little bit darker and a little bit more. Gritty. Yeah, it, need, it needs a bit of edge because it, it's certainly a little bit. It, too it, it was. It was Luke. too cheesy. It was too. Oh, we've got Luke Cage as well, man. Luke yeah. Cage end of, end of the month. I'm gonna. I, I've got a feeling Luke Cage drops while I'm on holiday. Thirtieth of September. I oh think. right. Oh, it's when I'm back. I thought it was the twenty seventh, but I, I no, get back on the Luke 29th. Cage. Oh mate, it's supposed to have the greatest soundtrack as well. It's a hip hop soundtrack, but it's supposed to be just perfect. And the action and the, it's it's gone down really well for anyone that's seen it. I'm very very excited. The phrase um, that they've used is it's supposed to be the Wu Tangification. <laughs> the Marvel Netflix universe. I just think it's going to be incredible. Um, they just can't do anything wrong in most of our artists. Do you know what I mean? So um, I think once that comes out, we'll, we'll do Jessica Jones uh, as a revisit once we rewatch that. Um, and then, yeah, we need to do Marco Lopez and, and Walking Dead. Yeah. And then, yeah, we'll have a bit of inspiration. It'd be nice to get some other ideas and some other input and influence and stuff. So always open to putting that out there. Um, I watched something before. Um, it was just Emergency Awesome, like I frequently do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the, the early reviews are coming out of Luke Cage, and the unanimous decision seems to be that it's actually the best Marvel Netflix so far. <laughs> That's a big statement. So they're, they're making really, really bold claims about it already. It probably could be, though, because it's got the premise to be, and they are getting better. I mean, Daredevil 2 is clearly better than Daredevil Season 1. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And I've it's, already said I think it's going to be better than Jessica Jones because I think Jessica Jones is a little bit hard to follow at times, even though it's, it's got Jones, a psychological Jessica element. Jones is good. It, it's not next level. It's, it's not it's, great. It's solid. It's, it's solid. It's just... I think the problem with that, and we will discuss it, like I said, is uh, no one can compete with the villain who's the British actor that I've completely forgotten. Uh, David Tennant. Yeah, no one can compete with him in terms of he's so good when he's on screen that everything else feels a little bit watered down. And it's quite rare because I think Daredevil holds up quite well, even though John Bernthal's portrayal of The Punisher is just incredible um i think i think jessica jones struggles because he is so good in it that sometimes she when he's not on screen you, you get a little bit like yeah when's he going to be on screen do you know what i mean uh, there's there's lots of films and lots of series where you need that person to be involved all the time otherwise it feels a little bit like yeah this is your best actor and he's given you best performance and and he's gone off for three or four episodes or not quite that long but there's elements in Jessica Jones where there's a few episodes in a row that just, yeah, it misses him or it misses that input. You know, it's a little bit dull. So, yeah, we'll, we'll touch upon it. I think Nina wants to talk it at some point, so we'll get her back on. It's nice mm-hmm. fun having her on last time. So, all good. Um, where can uh, our lovely listeners find us, Stu? Well, um, we're, we're giving up on the Facebook page now because it's a lot of work for basically uh, no rewards no so, one uses facebook anyway anymore. no we're giving up so on it's ai comic pod on twitter you can still use our our uh, url at aicomicpod.co.uk but now it's going to redirect you back to the the new anfield index site and wonderful and anyone anfield that's been on it, 
Uh, if you go to our page, our comics page, you've now got all of the podcasts, everything we've done so far, and you've now got all of our articles. And you should have noticed we're, we're getting a lot more articles in now. Joey's absolutely cane in them with Joey, his, his sleepless you. baby Good nights. Sir. And they, the last couple, they just seem to keep getting better and better and better. The last one that dropped a couple of days ago, Deathstroke versus Deadpool, I it's thought great. was brilliant. And it's especially poignant now that we know that Deathstroke is going to be, A, in some way in the Justice League film, and he's going to be the big bad in the solo Batman film. Oh, that well, it's gonna be, that's going to be, mate. I, I talked to you again about watching Batfleck's um, directed films. He as a director, is excellent. I think he's a great actor. I think his solo Batman film will be quite special. I think it's going to be fantastic. I really do. So anyone who's not familiar with who Deathstroke is, you really should read that. And we've got some other brilliant articles on there, ranging from the the usual verses. So we've got um, Superman versus Thor and, um, like, say, Deathstroke versus Deadpool. Yeah, the Wonder Woman article from Warback was good. Yeah, Wonder Um, Woman feminism. Talking Deadpool, I did a review a while back, which I'm still quite proud of. That's a good read. Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad review. We've got my little extended look at the extended cut of Batman, Superman. So we we were saying... And nothing from Chris yet. Seriously, man. Chris is just dragging his feet like a little bitch. I know. Come on, man. Pull it out. Yeah. But we're we're trying to get up one or two articles a week as and when yeah. we can for various different things. And and the feedback so far has actually been pretty good. So thank you to everyone who's who's replying to us and thanks to everyone who's reading them yeah. um, and, and sharing them around. It's We're glad that it's being shared around because it's nice that anyone who spends the time writing an article for us is actually getting them read. Yeah, I'd agree, man, because, uh, you know, a, a big shout out to any AI writers. I obviously write football, I write some of this stuff as well. Um, I want to write film as well, but I think people have got to realise that we all do this for free. Uh, we've all got extremely busy lives. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know? You're um, doing this for free? Mate, I am. I'm not. I've told you I'm I, a six-figure salary. Well, share some of that over this way, man, because I'm getting peanuts over it. Um, okay, I'll, I'll buy you some Brazil nuts. There you go. Bigger nuts. <laughs> Everyone needs bigger nuts. Uh, that's like a Deadpool <laughs> reference. <laughs> um, yeah, but I just think everyone that writes, there's some excellent writers on AI, um, football writers and, and people who are contributing on this side of things. Um, I just think it takes a lot. It takes discipline. It takes time. Um, some people are more natural at it. Joey can write an article in 10 minutes and it takes me two weeks. But, you know, fair play to anyone that does it. It's, it's really appreciated for AI as a general role. It's, it's really good for us. Yeah. And that's that. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Because we're going to keep going because we love to chat. So, yeah, that's us for now. Um, need to twist Lopez's arm and get him on for Walking Dead season three to six, I think, or are we four to six. I think we need four to cover. To six. Yeah, so we need to cover that. Cover Negan. Cover that Lucille for baseball bat. Um, that's back soon. So yeah, we'll do that next. Um, and yeah, join us in a couple of weeks. Yeah, thanks everyone. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.